Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? It's good to see you. Uh, there's a lot of new faces, so I'll, I'll introduce myself. Uh, my name is Steve Simon. I am the lead pastor of Connect Community Church in Long Beach, Mississippi. The last time I spoke in front of some Riverbend folks a couple weeks ago, I got a little choked up. So I'll try not to do that now because uh, we love this body. We love this church. And we are thankful for their ministry to us and to the ministry of Connect Community Church. And so I'll try not to get too choked up or uh, tear up any music stands today. So that's, uh, that's the goal. That's the goal for the day. Um, over the past uh, 12 months or so, I think uh, we left here almost a year ago to go and to plant Connect Community Church. And it was a little bit of a scary time for us. It was a lot of changes, a lot of things that happened in our life. And um, I just want to thank you guys again for your support of us and uh, couldn't have done it without you. Um, one of the reasons I got choked up a couple weeks ago is because when you, when you begin to see your vision start to get unclouded by what is going to be and what, uh, you know, it's just out there. When you start to see that sort of take shape um, and your passion start to take shape, it sort of overwhelms you. So... Again, I just want to thank you guys. I think I've said that about three or four times. So, but anyway, over the past 12 months, we began to, uh, to meet people. Uh, we sort of parachuted into that community. We started to meet people. We found out that ministry is literally 60 feet away. Ministry is literally 60 feet away. And that was something that uh, we had been sort of withdrawn from. Um, and when I mean 60 feet away, a lot of times ministry is your next door neighbor. Ministry is two houses down. Ministry is on your block. Ministry is on your street. Ministry is in your community. And sometimes we as Christians don't see that. Right? We get caught up and we're sort of in this little circle. And we get caught up into, hey, what's the next church function? What's the next thing I got to do? We get caught up in tradition of we do that because we do that. We have sort of uh, been able to remove ourselves from that a little bit and figured out that ministry is right next door to the very people that you live in and around. And so over the past 12 months, we've been laying in the groundwork for Connect Community Church. And we have been, again, meeting people, engaging in the community, starting, uh, trying to start small group Bible study, which... You know, it's not real effective, but you know what? We're trying. We're doing all we can. We're ministering to the community. We're sponsoring events. We're joining in the work with our city. And so that's been really wonderful to sort of be a part of and to be able to take that step back and then to now to go forward in the next two or three weeks at Connect Community to be launching in a few weeks. And we are excited about what the Lord is going to do in Long Beach, Mississippi. You know, as a church, as a church, we want to engage people and we want to engage the community in such a way that no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, no matter what class you're in, no matter what race you are, that we're going to meet you where you're at, and we're going to love on you, and we're going to show you Jesus. We're going to connect you to him. And ultimately, we want to connect you so we can send you out. 
We want to plant other churches. And that's the long-term goal of this church, is to plant other churches along the way. And so this morning, I just want to bring sort of a passage to you. You guys are really familiar with it. But there's really no better illustration of love in the Bible than this. So turn with me today, Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 25. Again, it's Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man is going down to Jerusalem from Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave it to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. And then Jesus, he asked, he looks back at the scribe, he says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we come to you this morning and we ask you to give us your heart for people. Give us a heart to love as you do. God, give us a heart to serve as you have served us. Lord, open our hearts today. Lord, open our hearts to care for those who need our help. Give us a heart that is merciful and above all, above all else, seeks your will and your will for us. Lord, we love you. Be with us today. Come into this place. God, we praise you for you. We praise you for your son. We praise you for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so first, we need to define our understanding, right? We need to sort of understand what's going on. And Jesus sort of does the same thing to the scribe. He turns the text back on him. In the first part, he says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus turns it around and goes, doesn't really answer him, does he? He says, well, what's written in the law? So you have to remember, have to remember who the scribe is. The scribe is somebody who studied the law, knows it inside and out. He's an expert, so to speak. And so Jesus turns that around and says, he doesn't really answer him. He just says, well, what does it say? 
You tell me what the law says. What's your interpretation? And the question he says is, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You know, that's a question that, you know, I think at one point, what do you think I can do to live forever? Right? What can I do to live forever? That's a question I've even asked myself, right? How can I live forever? Because, I, you know, I like, I like that uh, superhero stuff. I like, you know, immortal things. And, but there's nothing earthly that helps us live forever, is there? Only Jesus gives us eternal life. And so he asked that question. And I don't think it was a question necessary to trip Jesus up. You know, I think he's, he's sitting there. He's a scribe. He's a student of the law. And I think he just asks him the question. And it's not undifferent than, you know, people today. If we study the Bible today or we get into small groups, we start to define these finer points of theology, these finer points of doctrine. Sometimes they mean a whole lot. Sometimes they don't mean a whole lot. But we're sitting here and he's defining it for him. And he just says, hey, scribe, what's the law say to you? So the scribe, he ultimately quotes Deuteronomy 6.5. And Deuteronomy 6.5 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Think about those three components. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. See, that's, that's every part of your being. Right? Your heart controls you. It's what's inside of you. Burns. You see, this is the kind of love that gets described in this passage is a love that, that thirsts for God that is, that is so strong that it moves us. And it moves us in a lot of different ways. It moves us toward God and it moves us to serve God. You see, it's the kind of love that consumes every fiber of our very being. And here's the thing. If we don't know Jesus you may never, ever really know this type of love. You see, because Jesus' love is so deep, we just can't even fathom the depth of it. So the, we sort of have to understand what love is and what love is not, right? Because love is a term that in our culture gets thrown out in so many different ways. And so we have to understand what love is not. You know, some believe love is to agree with culture. That we should get along. That it's tolerant. Right? That's not what Jesus taught us in the Scriptures. Jesus didn't teach that. So why would we do that? Jesus, He loved in such a way that He continually spoke truth. He continually spoke truth to everybody that he came in contact with, but he was respectful in doing so. Jesus spoke truth with boldness, but he showed grace to everybody. You see, Christians, it's our duty to speak truth in love and to call people to repentance. To call people to repentance. To call people from one path that goes against God's word and turn them to a path that agrees with God's word. If we do not do this, church, we are not loving as Jesus loved. 
We're not loving as Jesus does love. You know, others, they frame love and how much we like a particular book or a particular activity. Right? Man, I love Star Wars. I love football. I love this book or that book. Some people use love, the word love, to advance a relationship. Happens in young love. Most of the most most people use word like I love pizza. I love football. I love to fish. Sometimes love is is in terms of being sentimental. We feel sorry for someone about a particular situation that they're in. Or maybe it's even a song moves us. I love that song. It moves oh, it's, it's a great song. Right? Or we associate it with some emotional response that we have. You see, that's not the love that the scriptures are talking about. How does that love compare to the love of Jesus dying on the cross? There's no comparison. So here's what love is. Here's what love is. If we looked at 1 John 3.16, we can see this. He says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in strength. To give of what you have. To keep an open heart so that God's love can be shown in and through you. Do not love in speech, but in deed. You see, Jesus expressed this kind of love. This kind of love that we see in these passages. If people need help, help them. You see, this kind of love is not us as Christians getting together and talking about helping people. It's actually helping people. It's not getting together to start another Bible study about learning how to love so we can go help that person. It's helping that person. Are those things inherently wrong? No. We need to get deeper in God's word, right? But the kind of love that we have for Christ needs to move us to do something about it. To change the paradigm of where we are in our Christian circle, in our Christian bubble, and move it out of that to the world. A few years back, I was, I was in a small group study. A couple of you will remember this. I was in a small group study. I was in the backyard of some friend's house. And we started to uh, talk about people in need. We got to this lady, and she, she needed an air conditioner. And somebody knew of who it was. Somebody knew where it was. I had no idea. You know, I don't know Hernando. Somebody knew where it was. We started talking about it. And we started saying, well, what, what, what can the church do? What can the church do to, to help us out here? Maybe we ought to go to the church committee, talk to the head of the committee to get some funds to go do something about this air conditioner. I was like, okay, well, yeah, well, I guess we could do that. That's one way to do it. Or let's just gather up some funds right now Let's go to Walmart. Let's buy this lady a window unit. 
and let's take it over to her and plug it in if we have to, whatever we got to do. So she has an air conditioner. How simple was that? We didn't get bogged down in Christianity. We didn't get, even though it was, it was an act of love. It was an act of service. But we didn't get bogged down in all that other stuff. We just said, hey, we're just going to help people. We're going to do it right now. I'm not going to worry about it. Because guess what? We're the church. You are the church. You see, the love and the caring for that person and sometimes we don't even know them. We can show God's love through them by just going and doing. You see, that is the kind of love that, that we're talking about. You see, love is having a compassion and having a heart like our God that moves us to action. God calls us to love our faith families. God calls us to love people in our neighborhoods. God calls us to love people in our city. God calls us to look for examples of where we can join into what he's doing and go do it. You see, Jesus' compassion moved him to do what? Serve. We see Jesus coming to earth and he's, he's ministering to people. He is, he's bringing people back to life. He's feeding thousands and thousands of people and, but, but what's he doing after that? He's speaking the truth of himself to them. We see, we see Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. The lowliest of lowliest jobs in the, in the te- in the, in, of that time, Jesus is down there and he's washing their feet, serving. He's, he's setting the example to go and serve. You see, Jesus ultimately did what? He died on the cross. He died on the cross for your sin, for my sin, for all of our sins. To do what? Because he loved you. Because he had compassion for you. And he died for you. You see, the thing is about this passage, is this text right here, is Jesus says, do what? Go do that. Hey, scribe, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then go do that. Right? How come you can just say that? Because the implication is this. The implication is, hey, if you have the love of God in your heart, you know what to do. You inherently know that you need to love on people to serve people and then ultimately bring them to the cross. Expose them to Jesus. You know, a lot of times we have a hard time finding ministries in our church. We come into a church, maybe it's a new church, an old church, and we say, you know, I don't know where I fit in. I don't know what I can do. Guess what? Go find somebody, love on them. Hey, there's your ministry. Go do that, right? See, because God gave his very life so you could have life eternal, and then you could pass that to somebody else and say, hey, I know this guy, Jesus. He died for you. He died for me. And I want to help you in your circumstance. But I want, to, I, want, I want to show you the person that can help you forever. That doesn't mean life is rosy and pink and everything is good to go as soon as that happens. No, you're going to have hardship. You're going to have things that happen in your life that, that bring you down, that bring you joy, that bring you pain. But you're going to have Christ in your life who then you could know that you can lean on 
And then you have this body of believers that's a, that are all of one heart and one mind that'll walk alongside you. So if you need a ministry, if you're searching right now for a ministry, find somebody to love on. Help them, serve them, show them the gospel. People, it's that simple. Get to know them. Give them a meal. Show them the gospel. Show them Christ. So that brings us to the second part, the parable. And I want you guys to think about this parable too. I want you to understand that this, this parable is not just a moral story okay, of how to be moral people. This parable is also about the gospel. So make sure you understand that as you read this parable. It says, verse 29, But he... Desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? You see, the scribe, the scribe here wasn't satisfied with Jesus' original answer, right? Because I would agree that there's some vagueness to it, right? It's a little bit vague, a little bit, you know, what do I do? Doesn't have, didn't really get down to the nitty-gritty. I like the details. I didn't get there. But so he says, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him a different question. I'm gonna try to reframe it. Who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, that's where he goes into the parable. A man who was going down to Jerusalem from Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise a Levite, he came to the place and saw him and passed on the other side. But a Samaritan who journeyed came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Guys, this compassion that he had moved him to what? Action. It moved him to do something about it. So he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set on him his own animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave it to the innkeeper. He said, take care of him. Whatever, whatever more you spend, I'll, I'll repay it. I'm willing to do that. And then Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The scribe says, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go do that. Go and do likewise. You see, the scribe did not want to get bogged down in the complexity of Jesus' answer in the first passage. So he's trying to, he's trying to now he's trying to say, okay, well, how do I how do I know who my neighbor is? See, I think he I believe that the, the scribe knew exactly what Jesus was trying to tell him. But here's the here's the problem with the day. The problem with, with this time period is we're talking about a racial divide with these two different people. We're talking about a Jew on the road and a Samaritan. Hated each other. Matter of fact, a Jew, if they came up to Samaria, would walk up to the border and say, oh, I'm about to cross into Samaria. And then he would turn and go all the way around Samaria to avoid it. That's how much they hated. They didn't even want to walk in the, on the same ground that a Samaritan walked on. And so there's a racial divide there. And there's also the cultural belief that 
that the Jews are God's chosen people. So you have these two sort of things going on. These are Old Testament, these are Old Testament sort of concepts also. So you have these two things going on. So I want to take a look at the people in the story. Okay? I want to just take a second. So first there's the traveler, right? There's the traveler. We know he's a Jew. We know that he was traveling down a very dangerous road in Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, this road is a real steep and rocky road. It drops about 3,600 feet uh, down, uh, real rocky, real, uh, had a lot of places to sort of hide and things like that. This road was an area that crime was really prevalent in. As a matter of fact, people would travel in groups to lessen the chance of them getting robbed. Okay? You know, the man was traveling alone. Some may look at that guy and say, he deserved what he got. He deserved exactly what he got. He should have traveled down that road. Hmm. He shouldn't have stuck that needle in his arm. He shouldn't have drank that beer. Shouldn't be driving that fast. Shouldn't have got fired from that job. But this guy was traveling. He made, made a bad choice to go by himself. And... He paid the price. Right? So here's the thing. Now we have the priest. Man of God. right? Served in the temple. Ready to sacrifice the next animal. You know, who knows? Supposed to be a man of God. Right? Who loves the Lord God with all of his heart. What's he do? Sees a half dead man. Broken. Bloody. No, no gear, no food, no water. Turns his eye the other way and walks on past. So then you have the Levite. You have the Levite. The Levite, he was also a servant of God, wasn't he? Right? They did all the other stuff in the temple. They did the things that the priest didn't do. Right? They couldn't do the sacrifice, but they did other things. They served. And what did he do? Comes to the road, sees a guy, bloody, beaten, no provisions, and he walks to the other side. Maybe, maybe he thought, man, that guy... That's, that's really tough. Maybe he had some pity on him. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he knew that a priest wouldn't touch that guy. Maybe he's modeling bad leadership, right? Maybe that's just the, no, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't mess with that. Because you know what? We want to stay over here where it's nice, and clean, insulated. So there's a Levite. And then there's the the Samaritan, an outsider from God, who, again, would normally have nothing to do with the Jew. He comes to the man, and he sees the man, broken, bloody, no provisions. And he could have walked on. He could have walked on, and you know what? Culturally, 
Nobody would have blamed him. He could have went home to his buddies and his friends and said, you know, I saw this guy on the road and he was by himself and he was all, man, he was, he was about, he was about to lose, you know, he may have, he may have died. And they would have been like, who was he? Oh, he's a Jew. Oh, okay, cool. That, that, that may have happened. Okay. But that's not what he does. So he sees this guy, he bends down, he looks at him, he, he starts to care for him, he pours wine, uh, gives him wine, uh, pours it over the wound, you know, rubs his wounds with oil to make sure that the skin stays soft to promote healing. He pours wine over it to make sure they don't get infected. He binds the wounds up. He then takes him and says, you know, I can't walk. I'm going to throw him on my own animal. I'm going to be a little bit inconvenienced here, and I'm going to take him to the inn, and I'm going to stay with him overnight, and then I'm going to make sure that he, I got to do some stuff. I get it. I got to work. I got to do all these things. But I'm going to give him some money, make sure that he heals, and he took care of him. That's a little bit different, isn't it? You see, what's happening here is a paradigm shift in the, in the, in the text. You see, the, the text is now turning and saying, hey, there are no people groups. We are to love everybody. We are to show everybody the gospel. It's a fundamental shift of Old Testament versus New Testament. And we have to understand that. The kingdom of God is for everyone. Amen? The kingdom of God is for everybody. Have I always modeled that in my life? Honestly? No, I haven't always modeled that in my life. Just being, just being truthful, right? There's a guy in here that's probably seen me at my worst, right? Doing business. Long time ago, right? But I haven't always modeled that. Have I been the priest? Yeah. Have I been the Levite? Yeah. Have I been the Samaritan? Yeah. Am I proud of what... I did? No. But you know what? Jesus forgives. We show people the cross because Jesus forgives. He forgives the smallest and the largest of sin. You see, Gavin Childers, he writes this. He says, he says For a Samaritan to befriend the wounded man would have seemed unthinkable. Yet Christ's kingdom would ultimately cross all the boundaries of race, culture, and class. The Samaritan, though apparently alone and unseen by others, showed great kindness. Too often we're kind to, to others because we expect recognition and praise for it. The Samaritan could so easily have walked past, let the man die, no one would have known, and there would have been no one who have censored him. But he could not ignore the need. Christian, when is the last time you could not ignore the need? You see, it is the desire of Connect Community Church to meet people where they are and to connect them to Christ. 
to meet some physical needs, yeah. But we got to also meet that spiritual need. Because without it, without it, life's not redeemed. They cannot have eternal life without Christ. We can get them over the temporary bump in the road, but without Jesus, it's not going to happen. And this is how we should be as Christians as a whole. We should never seek praise from the world, but we should be satisfied in working for the kingdom. Our joy should come from serving God with all of our hearts and all of our souls with all of our might. So as we close today, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you some questions, give you some encouragement. Who are you in the story? Who are you in the story? Are you the priest too caught up in your religion to help somebody? Are you the Levite who knows the law? And I'll just sort of bring it forward a little bit. Are you the church member who knows the Bible but chooses to pass by and not do what it says? I would hope, I would hope that we would all be Samaritans, right? Because there's joy in this story too. The Samaritan helped this guy. He cared for him. He loved him. And that's what Jesus does for us. He cares for us. He loved us. And you know, in a group this size, maybe you're the traveler. Maybe you're the traveler. Maybe you have some physical needs, and, and I pray as a church we can meet some of those. But if you do not know the love of Jesus, I, I beg you, beg you to come to know him today. There are many godly people in this room who would love to talk to you about it, show you who he is, help you walk down that path, to turn away from sin to a life of joy, a life everlasting. You see, by dying on the cross, Jesus met your greatest need, and that's the forgiveness of your sin. Lastly, Jesus answers to the lawyer in these three points. Christian, we must be prepared to help others even when they have brought their trouble on themselves. We need to be prepared to help even when they have brought the trouble on themselves. The traveler is an example of people whom we need to express compassion to, serve them, and show them the ultimate healer found in Christ. Second point. Anyone from any nation or race is our neighbor. Anyone from any nation or race is our neighbor. Our love and our help needs to be as wide as God's love. This help must be practical and it it must not consist of merely feeling sorry for that person. No doubt the priest and the Levite felt some pity for the wounded man. I can almost guarantee it. But they did nothing. You see, our compassion must be real, and it needs to be followed up by action. So church, do what Jesus said to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Go serve people. And to quote the last part, 
Go you and do the same. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for who you are and what you have done for us. God, we thank you for your son, who in his ultimate act of love died on the cross. God, I ask you today to just stir the hearts of Riverbend Church, God, and to stir the hearts of those who will come to Connect Community Church. God, to love as you have loved. God, I pray for this. We desire this. God, if there's somebody here today who doesn't know Jesus, doesn't know the salvation that is found in him, God, I implore you to move that person to come to know you. God, to find somebody say, hey, I, I don't know Jesus and I, I, I need to know more about this. I need to know more about how to have eternal life. God, we, we pray today that you give us your heart. We love you. In Jesus' name.